Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Hello, everybody. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it's Thursday, May 6, 2021. A headline on an article in today's New York Times that's appropriate to what we're going to be discussing. And I'll read you the headline. How nervous should California's governor be about a recall? It's an essay written by Miriam Powell. Uh, who is the author of The Browns of California, so that the Browns being a very political family in, in the state of California that includes not one but two uh, former California governors. Yes, we're going to be discussing California politics. What else but a Chicago-based podcast? Where else could you find an intel- intelligent, enlightening conversation about California politics than on a Chicago-based podcast? But that's how it goes. Uh, and uh, we have a distinguished guest waiting to come on, who knows more about California politics than anybody not named Brown. How about that for an introduction with that? Uh, without further ado, I'll ask my distinguished guest, as I always do, to introduce himself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hey, Ben. Uh, Bruce Williams here. Uh, I like to call myself a naturalized Californian over 41 years, uh, coming from the East Coast to the left coast many years ago. Uh, being a public school teacher, retired now, but from the get-go, I've always been on the ground level of politics. Uh, I worked in the Tom Hayden uh, campaign for state assembly as early as 82. I was in the uh, Tom Bradley campaign for governor in 84. I was on a speaker's bureau against the infamous Prop 187, um, uh, the anti-immigrant proposition, and uh, also worked in the no school voucher campaign, as well as odds and ends. So the man knows a thing or two about politics in general and California politics in particular, which is why he is here, because we're going to be discussing. He's been a junkie. He is a total junkie. <laughs> uh, whenever I see him when I'm in Los Angeles, it's about an hour's worth of political discussion, taking the deep dive and all the issues of the day. But this is what I, I knew I was, Bruce, I was going to reach out 
uh, because ever since uh, I saw the news that there's going to be another gubernatorial recall uh, in the state of California, and we've been talking about it on the show at some length because it has an impact, of course, on national politics. Uh, it, the, uh, the governor of the state of California would appoint a senator uh, if there was a vacancy, if Dianne Feinstein were to, to retire. She's 88. So there's some relevance to uh, the state, the capital and the, the, the efforts by Joe Biden to get his uh, agenda through. So it's a very important issue on many, many fronts. Uh, Bruce, all right, let's start. Um, God, I have a whole list of things I want to run through with you on this conversation of yeah. Gavin uh, Newsom and how he got into this mess. Um, so let's just start with that. Explain to people how Gavin Newsom, the sitting incumbent governor Democrat of California, elected in 2018 uh, decisively, a decisive victory in a state uh, in which the Democrats trounced Donnie Trump in 2020. How did Gavin Newsom get to this point where he uh, is facing recall? Go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, it was a confluence or a perfect storm, a confluence of all these um, really unusual circumstances. Um, in fact, uh, your listeners probably wouldn't know this, but this is the sixth recall attempt against Newsom since he's been governor and only uh, two years of actually having been sworn in. Uh, the first five, of course, failed to even get the threshold. And the threshold is a minimum of just 12% of the votes cast in the last gubernatorial election. And <clears throat> interestingly, this one was started uh, as early as uh, February of 2021. And over the course of 2020, I'm sorry, of 2020, through the pandemic, they actually went to court in November and asked a judge, a superior court judge, to grant them an extension of the deadline. Now, on that very day, Ben, there were only 55,000 signatures on that recall petition. Now, remember, you have to have 1.6 million to qualify. And interestingly, they got the extension. And then on that same night is the night that Gavin Newsom, in his mysterious misjudgment, goes to a three-star Michelin restaurant known as the French Laundry in wine country, Marin County, and uh, without a mask, and it's indoors, at the very time the pandemic was raging in Southern California, well, throughout the state, but particularly down here, and he got photographed. It was somebody, you know, took a picture and boom, it was big news. One month later, the number of signatories on that extended petition drive was now 10 times as many, 550,000. So here we are in the spring of 2021. And um, so far, they've submitted 1.6 million. And we're in the process, this crazy process of that California calls a recall, um, where there's another 30-day window where people can actually say, oh, I made a mistake. I want to take my name off the petition. And that doesn't close until June 8th. Then the Department of Finance is supposed to take another gob of time and figure out how much this is going to cost. And then the state legislature gets to opine in on the cost. And we don't suspect that it will actually be certified until September, the middle of September. 
Now, once it's certified, the uh, lieutenant governor then gets to declare an election date uh, that has to be within 60 to 80 days after that certification. So we're anticipating an election in November, right before Thanksgiving of this calendar year. And we don't anticipate as well that enough signatures are going to be withdrawn from the petition that, you know, the ones that were submitted. So it looks, I mean, and, and of course the Newsom campaign is already up and running and they, they anticipate this to be on the ballot. All right. Uh, God, you gave me a, a lot to think. That was a great uh, recitation, Bruce. I appreciate that. Sure. So uh, let's just let's pause for a moment, folks, and just concentrate uh, on what Bruce began his recitation with. <clears throat> and I, I took notes. I hope I got him right. Roughly 55,000 signatures have been gathered uh, as of November 6th in a recall effort that had been underway since February. Yep. So really, Republicans just have this reflex action. We're going after Gavin Newsom. Whether there's a demand for it, a desire for it, it's just reflex action by the MAGA people in the state of California. Uh, Adam, when it looked as though they were uh, not going to make their deadline, they went before a judge who granted them an extension, so they got a break then. And (laughs) that night, Gavin Newsom did something, Bruce, I've been ripping him ever since. I've never been a huge Gavin Newsom fan. I got to tell you that, uh, Bruce. Um, He's a little more of the centrist than I am. But I always thought he was like an astute politician. So I just, this question has to be asked. I don't even know if you can answer it. How could an astute centrist politician in the middle of a pandemic do something so stupid as to, defy every rule and mandate he'd been making for months leading into that by going to a restaurant without a mask. Please help me understand that one, Bruce. (laughs) I don't think I can help you understand it because I don't understand it, but I can tell you that he, of course, has sorrowfully apologized and admitted his mistake. And he said he's going to work hard to make it up to the uh, folks uh, and but what it did really was provided the optics to make him look the elitist that they are accusing him of being. And of course, in wine country, Marin County, you know, north of San Francisco, um, there's already a popular view of, you know, uh, he's made his his millions on uh, the um, hospitality industry, particularly with wineries and, and restaurants himself. So it was an unmitigated error of judgment. His his advisors must have been off that day. I don't know, or maybe they went maybe <laughs> they went home early, thinking the judge was going to say no to the extension, even though it was because of the COVID pandemic. Um, anyway, so I can't tell you uh, how that happened or why. I only can tell you that it did happen, and it was the worst thing that he ever could have done. He handed them the golden goose. Yeah. Uh, so they have subsequently collected uh, well over a million uh, signatures uh, in the aftermath of that debacle, that public relations debacle. Uh, and now we're at this moment uh, where he's facing recount. Now, here's a question uh, that a Chicago political junkie would have. It, if it were Chicago, 
The state Democratic Party, at least the the old state Democratic Party, as it was uh, led by Michael Joseph Madigan, who was a, an astute tactician, would have every lawyer and precinct captain on hand to knock off the number of signatures they needed to make the ballot. Why is that not happening in California? Or is it just too many signatures well, to knock off? Go ahead. That's a lot of signatures. You're talking about, that's a lot of signatures in 58 different counties. And I also, though, understand from whence comes that question, because I saw your wonderful, not your wonderful documentary, but the one uh, that you were in uh, recently, uh, City, what, City, what was it called? City So Real. City So Real. I loved it. And I saw that the machinations of that whole petition process in, in trying to get on a ballot. So there is an effort out right now uh, from the Democratic Party. It's ad hoc, really, because you have to be centered in every one of those 50 counties, because that's where the signature petitions are. You have to literally in writing request that your name be removed, and, and then you have to deliver it in person. That's just not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. Uh, so they're, they're, the lawyers, even with the best lawyers, you're not going to make it happen either. All right. So, okay. So there goes that, uh, <laughs> that strategy. Now this question is a very uh, practical question. And uh, so he was elected in 2018. Yeah. He uh, was sworn in in the early part of 2019. Uh, he's up for re-election in 2022. Correct. If the recall is effective, will the new governor... Uh, have to run for re-election in 2022 as well, yeah, like yes. just down the road from now? Yes, and this is one of the arguments that the, <laughs> that the Democratic establishment is already using to the taxpayers of the state, saying you're going to have an election in November uh, of 2021, and the next primary for governor is in June of 2022. What on earth is that, even if they succeed, what are they going to be able to do to fix the problems that they're accusing Newsom of not handling? Not Nothing. It's it's ludicrous. So you're wasting four hundred million dollars, according to uh, some estimates uh, quoted in the L.A. Times, that that would be the cost of the undertaking statewide. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, then the uh, the other issue is this. And we talked a little bit about the before we get into the particulars of the candidates who are already uh, running, and I know you're going to have a field day with Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. Uh, although John Cox uh, is giving her a run uh, um, for the money with bizarre campaigns. But before we get into the, the Republicans who are running, the question that everyone in Chicago wanted me to ask you, I've already asked you once, but they didn't like the answer I gave that you already gave me. So I'm going to ask it again. Why aren't the Democrats running a candidate to be a backup? So right now, folks, the way it works, and correct me if I'm wrong, Bruce, it's a two-part process. One, yes or no, do you want a recall? And if, uh, and then who would you favor to be the next governor? So the Democrats could do a twofer. They could say, vote no on the recall, which would be an affirmation of Gavin Newsom, but just to protect ourselves, vote for Bruce Williams. Uh, not right. saying that you are going to run, but let's say Bruce Williams was running. Uh, so why aren't the Democrats pursuing that strategy where you have a safety net to protect you if the vote is yes for recall? Go ahead. Well, by the Democrats, I'm going to presume you mean the Democratic established party in the, that runs the state, 
um, because there are some Democrats who think that's a good idea, but we actually have a track record in the only successful recall of a state governor in 2002. And that was when Gray Davis was uh, being recalled and there were 130 candidates on the ballot. Uh, most of them Republicans, uh, some of them porn stars, some of them TV stars, one being Arnold Schwarzenegger. But the point is, is that um, the lieutenant governor at that time decided that it would be in the party's interest uh, to put his name in, in contention. And so Cruz Bustamante wound up after saying, no, he endorsed Gray Davis and he would never do that. He then jumped into the race and he had to message voters by saying, oh, vote no on the recall. But, you know, if you don't vote for me. And that's such a muddled message. And the Democratic establishment in 2021 is having none of it. In fact, uh, when it became newsworthy that signatures were being collected, Bernie Sanders was one of the very first Democrats to endorse Gavin Newsom, along with Elizabeth Warren, and then came Biden-Harris collectively. In fact, the vice president was out here last weekend at the Democratic statewide convention uh, as a featured keynote speaker. Um, and um, every one of the other six statewide elected executive office holders are also endorsing him. And the, the short answer is nobody thinks it's a good idea to have a Democrat uh, on the ballot uh, against Gavin Newsom because you get that mixed message. In other words, it's just too confusing well, for it's voters not only too confusing, is, the, is the notion. It's not only too confusing, which I think is certainly one conclusion they've made based on the history, mm -hmm. but the other conclusion they've made is that they all the, the width and the breadth of the Democratic Party on the left coast has coalesced behind Newsom. Oh, that's an important point, and that gives me an opportunity to ask you about the difference between this recall uh, in the year uh, uh, 2021 and the one that uh, you lived through in 2003 with uh, Governor Gray Davis, yeah. who was a, a Democrat as well as recall. Talk about the differences now and then. Sure. Well, you know, 18 years ago, this state was a very different state. We had just finished 16 years straight of Republican governors. George Dukmajian and Pete Wilson, who later, of course, became a U.S. senator. Um, for 16 years, they, they served as governor. And then along came uh, an open seat. And Gray Davis uh, wound up being like the Joe Biden kind of candidate in 2000. I mean, in 1998, he was elected. And in 2002, he was really by a, um, a cat's whisker reelected. And then suddenly the electricity crisis happened, uh, famous, more famous because of Enron's shenanigans in Texas, uh, causing that to happen. And uh, it brought him down along with uh, the hike in the California um, vehicle license fee, because also in those first couple years of the new uh, century, you know, there was a, a mild recession in the economic uh, world. And so uh, there was uh, an attempt to try to get more resources. Anyway, the difference, so there's one, there's one difference. So you got a more, you could have a more divided, the registration then was like only 11 or 10% difference between Democrats and Republicans. Now it's 22% registration in favor of Democrats. It was also um, 
a less populous state, fewer registered voters, and you had a, a bona fide movie star uh, drawing all the attention of even Hollywood types who really liked Arnold. And they, you know, Gray Davis, great. There's no politician that could have been so appropriately named as Gray Davis. He, <laughs> he is the most, he is the most underwhelming person. <laughs> so there's a lot different between then and now because already John Cox is calling Gavin Newsom pretty boy. He's, yeah, he's calling him a beauty. So the point, the point is, um, between population, between economic prosperity. I mean, think about it. California is leading the nation in vaccination rate, has the lowest infection rate in COVID. Schools have reopened, even if it is a hybrid. We have a $30 billion uh, surplus in the state budget. It's the fifth largest economy in the world. And I do not foresee much happening between now and November unless there's a outbreak of wildfires or Gavin Newsom makes another stupid mistake or if let's, let's say something happens in this investigation of the, um, the State Department of Employ Unemployment uh, scandal where prisoners were getting unemployment checks. Uh, interestingly, uh, Ben, the recall petition doesn't say a damn thing, if I may use French language, um, about the uh, COVID pandemic. Not a word. And yet, and yet yeah. you have this, this coterie of like anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, MAGA Trump people, all in the uh, alliance to try to recall him. Yeah. Well, no, that that's a huge inconsistency uh, in, in and of itself, because as you just pointed out at the outset, what propelled the recount uh, effort was the hypocrisy of Newsom. Yes. So Newsom's taking this strong stance uh, and mandating that everybody practice safe protocols to protect ourselves from the virus and uh, to minimize the impact of the pandemic, and then he violates it. And yeah. so that gives credence to MAGA's assertion, which I completely think is unfounded, that the whole pandemic was a hoax concocted by Democrats to bring down Donald Trump. It'll be very hard for Republicans to maintain some consistency, uh, Bruce, if you're attacking uh, Newsom for not doing enough to protect us from the pandemic. At the same time, you're asserting that the pandemic itself is a hoax. I mean, I, I really, yeah. you know, if you think it was be a mixed message for the Democrats to uh, say vote no to the recall and yet as a backup let's have bruce williams running uh as a governor this that one is even more preposterous do, do you see my point it, yeah absolutely i agree with you completely yes i was just thinking about california then and now and how old i am and listening to your uh recitation of history i remember when ronald reagan was the governor of california california essentially is the birthplace of modern uh, right-wing Republican politics. And the notion that it's sure such is. a democratic state now, it just blows my mind. Yeah. And when you, when you did that recitation of all those names to Jamie and Wilson, like, Oh my God, nightmares were coming back <laughs> when California was a Republican state. Yeah. And then like on election night, you didn't know which way those, all those electoral votes were going to go. I mean, we were up late, like California's not in yet. Let's hold off now. 
What? Why the change from red to blue? Well, uh, I think you can pinpoint it on a chronological timeline to the Proposition 187 that I mentioned uh, in my introduction. When the Republican Party introduced that, Pete Wilson sponsored it, was the spokesperson, campaigned for it to do so many terrible things that would have caused, and the reason I jumped into the campaign against it was because of the attack, not only on uh, immigrants, uh, but on what it required and compelled public school teachers to do to turn in a child in a classroom who has every right on the, under the American Constitution to have a public ed education. Um, and we, of course, said, we're not going to do that, and we're going to try to defeat this. Then it was, of course, passed, and that tells you a lot about what the electorate was like then. And it completely opened people's eyes and their hearts to how the Republican Party, as you articulated a moment ago, under Ronald Reagan's vision, is so corrupt in its values. It's just and, and hypocritical. So I think that from that point on, you could literally draw a graph that is going to show a downward spiral of Republican registration and Republican success. Do you know now in the state legislature, there is a Democratic supermajority in both houses? Can you name any other state where that is possible? It used to be a very evenly divided, you know, the Senate might be Republican, the Assembly might be Democrat, the governor was Republican, and then the other executive offices might be divided. Now it's solid cobalt blue is what I call it. And I think it really goes back to that anti-immigrant shove. And now you're seeing it play out across the country in places like Texas, which is turning purple. Uh, yeah, by the way. Uh, ironically, uh, the only other state that I uh, can think of, or at least the one I immediately thought of when you asked that question about supermajorities, is, is my state, Illinois. Uh, we're in a similar situation, and we have a, uh, a Democratic uh, a governor, J.B. Pritzker, right. who so far uh, has not felt compelled to go drinking, <laughs> sorry, eating out uh, without a mask on the same day. Ladies and gentlemen, the same day. We, <laughs> uh, not just that the judge made the ruling, but I think he also, uh, Newsom, on that day, uh, issued more proclamations about how to yes. don't see yes. your, don't get together with your family for Thanksgiving. Ben, just yesterday, a court of appeals in California, uh, in the third district up mm -hmm. in Sacramento, upheld the governor's right to uh, issue those emergency orders, which, of course, the whole campaign to recall him has tried to make an issue that he didn't have that constitutional authority. Yeah. Now, as it's going to be appealed to the Supreme Court yeah. of California, let me tell you, that's a liberal bastion. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's going to win. I, I have no doubt in my mind. I've been following those cases, too. I, he will win. And it just, under, again, underscores the irony yeah, uh, that uh, he got in trouble because he wasn't following his own rules. Yeah. Uh, and I still can't quite get it. it it's hard enough, Bruce. Uh, it's really hard for me to let go of this. It's hard enough to elect progressive Democrats or liberal Democrats or whatever you want to call them to push forward in the face of so much resistance from MAGA and from corporate America, all their like economic justice items on their agenda. It's so hard to do that anyway to shoot yourself in the foot, to do, to have what they call it in sports, an unforced error, just makes it that much harder. And I sit here and I go, what? It's 
anyway, all right, I'm going to move on from that. Uh, and we will talk about the Republican uh, opponents. Um, and let's okay. take <laughs> try and do this with a straight face and not laugh at the Republican opponents because God help us all. <laughs> you know, there's always the possibility when you have an election uh, that uh, the goofballs may win. So let's start with the one that uh, I think you uh, have a few things to say about, and that would be Caitlyn Jenner. Take it away, Bruce. Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner, you know, she voted for Trump in 2016, and then she, in 2018, in the midterm, said, oh, you know, I didn't know he was going to be that bad against transgender people, um, so I'm going to withdraw my support. Um, and she has no public policy chops whatsoever. In fact, in the last 20 years, she has not even voted in two-thirds of the elections. So here's a person saying, hey, me and only me can fix the problems of this state. But I've never once had any real track record in doing that. I've been a privileged uh, person with full access to money, wealth, fame, and yada, yada, yada. Um, and now I've said I want to be governor. She has hired the consultants who ran Schwarzenegger's campaign. Um, and she appeared on Donald Trump's very favorite network and uh, talk show host, Sean Hannity, last night. And she um, was really agitated that Hannity kept asking her whether she supported the Republicans' uh, efforts in various states to ban transgender girls from playing in their sports that are different than their, uh, you know, their binary gender. And she finally got so agitated. She goes, why do you keep asking me that? And of course, we all know why they kept asking her that, because she's definitely is not the best candidate or the favorite candidate of the MAGA crew, right? That's John Cox. Now, so let's move to him for a second. Um, and I should say also as a queer man, uh, let me just say, I'll be right in the front of the line to elect transgender folk to statewide, local office, federal office, anywhere they're running. I'm all for that. But I want to look at their uh, policy positions and what they stand for. I think I know for the most part what they stand for, and it's not what Caitlyn Jenner stands for. Um, John Cox, um, you guys in Chicago might, you know, he made his wealth up there in the Great Lakes real estate. I think he even ran for Cook County um clerk of deeds or something i don't know what it was in he ran for congress oh did he? he 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 uh he's he's a perennial candidate uh in the uh the last office i think he ran for was congress but go ahead i cut you off go ahead bruce well he he's out here in the um um in so socal um in retirement but basically he's a gadfly and a political aspirant to um like you said he ran against gavin newsom in the general election got beat 62 to 38% in 2018, but he has a, a, a deep pocket. He's already put $10 million of his own money into his campaign, which by the way, yesterday he made his first public appearance and he coined his campaign. It's beauty and the beast. He's the beast, of course. And, <laughs> and, and behind him, now wait a minute, there's more. Hold on. Be, behind him is a Kodiak bear represent <laughs> now now think about this what is the what is the species of bear that is on the flag of the california republic it's a grizzly bear a kodiak bear <laughs> is from alaska 
Oh, goodness. Let me, let me just say. Uh, yeah, no, I saw the bear. I didn't realize it was the wrong kind of bear. <laughs> Uh, only, that distinction eluded me. <laughs> I'm sure, and, and only yeah. Californians may have picked that up. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, and then let me. Yeah. So we got Caitlyn Jenner, John Cox. Now let me mention Kevin Faulkner. Kevin Faulkner is the former mayor of the city of San Diego, which is the second largest city in the state. Most people think that's San Francisco, but it's San Diego, San Jose, usually vying for that that uh, position. But um, he is, by every measure the closest thing you can get to a moderate Republican. I mean, fiscally he's conservative, but he also uh, knows that in a state such as this, you can't be one of these right-wing nuts. And he has also been elected by a progressive or evenly split major urban area. And he has a lot of policy chops and a lot of government experience, but his big um, uh, deficit is that the Republican Party hates his kind of Republican. He's a rhino to them. Uh, they're just, <laughs> he doesn't have a base outside of yeah. San Diego. And um, I think he's going to be really outspent by, um, by Cox and by Jenner. But he would be the only threat. Uh, uh, there's a third name that I've seen bandied about, Richard Grinnell. Yeah. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you know about who uh, he is, but he was a, a Trump appointee. Uh, he suggested he might run. Yes. And by the way, the deadline for filing, the can the filing can the candidacy deadline for filing doesn't even happen until like 59 days before the election. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's one other candidate, Doug O's, who was a former congressman from Sacramento, and he too uh, is in the same category as Faulkner, but nobody knows who he is. You know, all the attention is going to be on Cox and Jenner. Well, I, I'll put it to you this way. Again, the the real pivotal question in that election is the first question: yes or no on recall. That's right. Uh, and so that's that's where Republicans need to literally bring Democrats up over. That's the challenge. And uh, when you get to the second election, which is okay, if you who do you want to be the next governor? Then I can make the argument that uh, a quote-unquote moderate, uh, Bruce, uh, and I have it in quotes, moderate Republican, which means a Republican who's willing to, like Liz Cheney is now a moderate Republican uh, in the sense that she's willing to criticize. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's already shaking his head. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. And that she's willing to criticize no, Trump. No, no moderate. Yes, I know, I really. Uh, but before we go, go on a tangent, Liz Cheney. So what I'm saying is you could, if you have too many MAGA people in the race, a moderate Republican could, could be the beneficiary of splitting up the MAGA vote, um, which I, leads me one more time. That's true, Ben. And I, uh, you lead me to point out one other interesting facet of this crazy uh, recall process is that in order to recall him, you have to have a 50% plus one majority. But in order to elect the next person, all it takes, like you said, is just a simple plurality. So you could literally replace an unpopular governor with somebody who has twice as fewer votes than he got. Yeah. Think about that. You, Matt Newsom could get 48, 49% and lose. And the winner over there in the, you know, the, the cattle show 
could get 25%. Now, where would that leave this state? With another election within a year, that's where it would leave the state. With millions and millions of dollars already being generated uh, for the next election. And I'll just one more time remind folks, you made the argument just there, uh, Bruce, for the safety net of a Democrat in the race. You just made the argument right there for it. Uh, now I, I get it. They don't seem to be heading in that direction now. It's just like all hands on deck to get the 50% plus to kill the recall. But you just made the argument for it because the threshold to have a real wacko, <laughs> it'd be the governor of California. It could be the bear. Forget John Cox. They may like the bear. I would respectfully disagree that I made the argument. I may have made uh, a hint of an argument about that, but I can tell you that um, if you had a Democrat on that side of the ballot or that question, um, then how could the Democratic Party claim to call the, the proponents a Republican recall? Because now you have a Democrat running for it. It would be, again, another sign of uh, mixed messaging that would be detrimental. Yeah. And the establishment has said, no, we're not going to do that. All right. Uh, so to that point, one of the names that uh, uh, the article by Miriam Powell uh, in today's New York Times alluded to was Adam Schiff. And folks here in Chicago and Illinois know who Adam Schiff is, uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, uh, from his position in Congress battling Trump all these years. Uh, and uh, that uh, here, I'll read you the quote. Uh Adam Schiff, who recently lobbied the governor unsuccessfully to be appointed the state's attorney general, has raised more than $40 million. Good God. <laughs> uh, and uh, so they're suggesting that he... Yeah, he I may- get his emails every day. <laughs> okay. Better you than me. Um, so uh, <laughs> your, your thoughts about Adam Schiff, do you think his ambition will overtake him and he'll just take the dive into this thing? I think he is a, a decent, honorable man who values his career more than his ambition and uh, is perfectly happy being uh, chair of the Judiciary or the Intelligence Committee, Judiciary Committee, I'm not sure which one it is. Um, his, he is a prolific fundraiser for the Democratic Party and particularly for the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. And um, I don't think he wants to cut his throat at all. He can always run for attorney general later he can always run for governor uh, if he wished to um, to be that person who's not Gavin Newsom. He can do that in 2022. I just think he values his career a little more, and uh, he wants to keep his feet in both ponds, Washington, D.C., and California. That's just my sense of it. But he is a very, very good man, in my view. Uh, yeah, I, I recall... Um... The last time I was in California, uh, I was with my uh, oldest uh, daughter at a uh, farmer's market, Bruce, and uh, the the opponent uh, to Adam Schiff was oh. uh, soliciting oh signatures to his petition. I couldn't believe it. I, I like I had a moment. <laughs> you know, I'm a political junkie, and I, I found this far more interesting than the farmer's market. Uh, and so I got into a debate with him. I remember he was running as a conservative Democrat against, yeah. And I got a debate with him and he was defending the uh, bizarre electoral college system we have, 
uh, saying, um, well, you know, those smaller states need rights too. I go, you don't live in a small, you live in literally the biggest state in America. How could you defend yeah. it? Anyway, so yeah. I, I, California politics is a very bizarre thing. All right, I'll close with this question. Uh, and I'll just, uh, I'll ask the question that's in the headline in today's New York Times story. How nervous should California's governor be about a recall? How nervous should Gavin Newsom, and for really how nervous should Democrats be about the recall? Go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that he is um, appropriately um, aware and on the job in terms of uh, making sure that his campaign succeeds. I don't know that I would use the word nervous because there are so many indicators and so many um, uh, foundations of support that he has already in whether it's trends in COVID or the economy or schools or whether it's fundraising. He has $25 million in cash right now uh, available and the recall campaign only has 225,000. Um, so he's got a lot of, of, of resources, but he's also playing it right in terms of, look, this is going to happen. I've acknowledged it. I know why it's happened because of my stupid mistake for which I am internally sorry. And I will make it up to the people of California <laughs> and I will prove to you that I deserve your trust and so on and so forth. And, you know, I don't think he's nervous, but I do believe he, as a, as a professional politician that he is, he's on, he's on it. He's on it like a fly on, you know what? And so is the party. That's the important part. So is the party. And that's a big difference in 2003. And you're right. The other big difference is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, and, and let's just for a moment, think about that. You know, when Arnold Schwarzenegger ran, uh, he was the face of the new modern Republican Party that was going to expand out from its traditional base uh, and would pick up younger people, uh, would have progressive views on the environment. Arnold Schwarzenegger was fairly progressive for a Republican on environmental issues. And we just think about where the Republican Party has gone since then, the retrenching uh, and just going back to like the whitest, most conservative portion of America, uh, to, to their whole strategy uh, to gain to regain the Congress, as you know, Bruce, is to limit uh, the access to the ballot, to try to keep black people, deter black people from voting in states like Georgia and Florida and Texas, Michigan, et cetera. So I just... there. There is no Arnold Schwarzenegger on the other side. That's uh, that's my point in this in this recall. Yeah, can can I add one more footnote? Can I add one more footnote to the since you go ahead? Relived the question two or three times about why there's not a Democrat. I want to give a big shout out and, and acknowledge. By shout out, I mean that it had a definite effect when Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren were among the very first back in February to say, this is nonsense. We endorse him. We support him. And what it did was cut off a pathway for a progressive, such as you suggested, to come in and say, you know what? Gavin Newsom is not sufficiently progressive enough. He's a corporate Democrat, and I'm going to be on the ballot as a good alternative. Well, that Sanders and Warren endorsement, and then came President Biden and Harris, and it just closed the door so I think Gavin Newsom is is well situated to take care of this, and a lot can ha a lot can happen 
a lot can happen, but you know. You know, but I, I, uh, your your point's a very good one, and I do believe that before all is said and done, it will be all hands on deck uh, to defeat that recall attempt. And you're right, Kamala Harris will be back in her home yeah. state. Joe Biden will be making appearances in the home state. Bernie will be there. You're right. They'll uh, all be there. So uh, they'll all be there, and it could. I'm looking on the bright side. It could give momentum going into the next year, uh, 2022. Which absolutely, of course, absolutely. We're going to have to fight like hell to keep control of the House and the Senate in March. All right. Uh, Bruce, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You did such a great job. You passed the audition. We're going to bring you back uh, for further updates uh, as this recall election uh, unfolds, but also California politics in general. Uh, the good news is I think that if, if, if the election falls in the, category, uh, in the calendar the way you say it is, I will actually be in California visiting my daughter for Thanksgiving of all God willing, all goes well. So you and I will get together. We'll be passionately going over everything uh, in person. And I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for having me, Ben. I really enjoyed it. Uh, my pleasure. That's great. Bruce Williams. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.